Hello and welcome to Sleep Cove. Please listen to this podcast where you can safely go to sleep. This episode continues the Norse and Viking mythology I've been reading out on previous podcasts. I really hope you enjoy it as much as I have been reading it. This episode is sponsored by Lumen. Lumen is the first handheld device that can measure your metabolism in a single breath to tell you what fuel source your body is using for energy, fats or carbs. Lumen's device and app provides you with personalised daily meal recommendations to help you reach your weight, nutrition or fitness goals and has been scientifically validated. If you want to check out how you can hack your metabolism today, visit lumen.me and use the code SLEEPCOVE25 to get $25 off at lumen.me. That's $25 off when you use the code SLEEPCOVE25 at lumen.me. Please have a look at their website. Thanks to everyone who's been subscribing and leaving reviews on the new Sleep Sounds podcast. It's been fantastic. And if you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. And let's begin. Sif's Golden Hair How Loki Wrought Mischief in Asgard All who dwelt in Asgard, the Asir and the Asnur, who were the gods and goddesses, and the Vanir, who were the friends of the gods and the goddesses, were wroth with Loki. It was no wonder they were wroth with him, for he had let the giant Thiassi carry off Iduna and her golden apples. Still, it must be told that the show they made of their wrath made Loki ready to do more mischief in Asgard. One day he saw a chance to do mischief that made his heart rejoice. Sif, the wife of Thor, was lying asleep outside her house. Her beautiful golden hair flowed all around her. Loki knew how much Thor loved that shining hair, and how greatly Sif prized it because of Thor's love. Here was his chance to do a great mischief. Smilingly, he took out his shears and he cut off the shining hair. Every strand and every dress. She did not waken while her treasure was being taken from her, but Loki left Sif's head cropped and bare. Thor was away from Asgard. Coming back to the city of gods, he went into his house. Sif, his wife, 
was there to welcome him. He called to Sif, but no glad answer came from her. To the palaces of all the gods and goddesses, Thor went, but to none of them did he find Sif, his golden-haired wife. When he was coming back to his house, he heard his name whispered. He stopped and then a figure stole out from behind a stone. A veil covered her head and Thor scarce knew that this was Sif his wife. As he went to her she sobbed and sobbed. Oh Thor my husband she said, do not look upon me, I am ashamed that you see me. I shall go from Asgard and from the company of the gods and goddesses and I shall go down to Svalfheim and live amongst the dwarfs. I cannot bear that any of the dwellers in Asgard should look upon me now. O Sif, cried Thor, what has happened to change you? I have lost the hair of my head, said Sif. I have lost the beautiful golden hair that you Thor loved. You will not love me any more, and so I must go away, down to Svlarthime and to the company of the dwarves. They are as ugly as I am now. Then she took the veil off her head, and Thor saw that all her beautiful hair was gone. She stood before him, shamed and sorrowful, and he grew into a mighty rage. Who was it did this to you, Sif, he said. I am Thor, the strongest of all the dwellers in Asgard, and I shall see to it that all the powers the gods possess will be used to get your fairness back. Come with me, Sif. And taking his wife's hand in his, Thor went off to the council house, where the gods and goddesses were. Sif covered her head with her veil, for she would not have had the gods and goddesses look upon her shorn head. But from the anger in Thor's eyes, all saw that the wrong done to Sif was great indeed. Then Thor told of the cutting of her beautiful hair. A whisper went round the council house. It was Loki did this. No one else in Asgard would have done a deed so shameful, one said to the other. Loki, it was who did it, said Thor. He has hidden himself, but I shall find him and I will slay him. Nay, not so, Thor, said Odin, the father of the gods. Nay, no dweller in Asgard may slay another. I shall summon Loki to come before us here. It is for you to make him, and remember that Loki is cunning and able to do many things. Bring back to Sif the beauty of her golden hair. 
then the call of Odin, the call that all in Asgard have to hearken to, went through the city of the gods. Loki heard it, and he had to come from his hiding place, and enter the house where the gods held their council, and when he looked on Thor, and saw the rage that was in his eyes, and when he looked on Odin, and saw the sternness in the face of the father of the gods, he knew that he would have to make amends for the shameful wrong he had done to Sif, said Odin. There is a thing that you, Loki, have to do. Restore to Sif the beauty of her hair. Loki looked at Odin. Loki looked at Thor, and he saw that what was said would have to be done. His quick mind searched to find a way of restoring to Sif the beauty of her golden hair. I shall do as you command, Odin, or father, he said. But before we tell you of what Loki did to restore the beauty of Sif's golden hair, we must tell you of the other things beside the gods and goddesses who were in the world at the time. First there was Vanir, when the gods who were called the Azir came to the mountain on which they built Asgard. They found other beings there. They were not wicked and ugly like the giants. They were beautiful and friendly. The Vanir, they were named. Although they were beautiful and friendly, the Vanir had no thought of making the world more beautiful or more happy, in that they differed from the Azir who had such a thought. The Azir made peace with them, and they lived together in friendship, and the Vanir came to do things that helped the Azir to make the world more beautiful and happy. Freya, whom the giant wanted to take away with the sun and the moon as the reward for building all the wall around Asgard, was of the Vanir, and the other beings of the Vanir were Frey, who was the brother of Freya, and Nidord, who was their father. On the earth below there were other beings, the dainty elves who danced and fluttered about, attending to the trees and flowers and grasses. The Vanir were permitted to rule over the elves. Then below the earth in caves and hollows there was another race, the dwarfs or gnomes, like twisted creatures who were both wicked and ugly, but who were the best craftsmen in the world. In the days when neither the Azir nor the Vanir were friendly to him, Loki used to go down to Svlavam, the dwarf's dwelling below the earth. And now that he was commanded to restore to Sif the beauty of her hair, Loki thought of help he might get from the dwarfs. 
down, down through the winding passages. In the earth he went, and he came at last to where the dwarfs were most friendly to him, and they were working in their forges. All the dwarfs were master smiths, and when he came upon his friends, he found them working hammer and tongs, beating metals into shapes. He watched them for a while and took note of the things they were making. One was a spear, so well balanced and made, that it would hit whatever mark it was thrown, at no matter how bad the aim the thrower had. The other was a boat that could sail on the sea, but that could be folded up so that it would go into one's pocket. The spear called Gungir and the boat was called Skidbladnir. Loki made himself very agreeable to the dwarfs, praising their work and promising them things that only the dwellers in Asgard could give, things that the dwarfs longed to possess. He talked to them till the little ugly folk thought they would come to own Asgard and all that was in it. At last Loki said to them, have you got a bar of fine gold that you can hammer into threads? Into threads so fine that they look like the hair of Sith, Thor's wife? Only the dwarves can make a thing so wonderful. Ah, there is the bar of gold. Hammer it into those fine threads and the gods themselves will be jealous of your work. Flattered by Loki's speeches, the dwarfs were in the forge, took up the bar of fine gold and flung it into the fire, then taking it out and putting it upon their anvil, they worked on the bar with their tiny hammers until they beat it into threads that were as fine as the hairs of one head. But that was not enough, they had to be as fine as the hairs on Sif's head and these were finer than anything else. They worked on the threads over and over again, until they were as fine as the hair on Sif's head. The threads were as bright as sunlight, and when Loki took up the mass of worked gold, it flowed from his raised hand down on the ground. It was so fine that it could be put into his palm, and it was so light, that a bird might not feel its weight. Then Loki praised the dwarfs more and more, and he made more and more promises to them. He charmed them all, although they were unfriendly and a suspicious folk. And before he left them, he asked them for the spear and the boat he had seen them make, the spear Gungir and the boat Skidbladnir. The dwarfs gave him these things, though in a while after they wondered at themselves for giving them. Back to Asgard Loki went, he walked into the council house where the dwellers in Asgard were gathered, 
he met the stern look in Odin's eyes and the rageful look in Thor's eyes with smiling good humour. Off with thy veil, O Sif, he said. And when poor Sif took off her veil, he put upon her shorn head the wonderful mass of gold he held in his palm. Over her shoulders the gold fell, fine, soft, and shining as her own hair. And the Asir and the Asnir, the gods and the goddesses, and the Van and Varna, when they saw Sif's head covering again with shining web, laughed and clapped their hands in gladness. And the shining web held to Sif's head as if it indeed had roots and was growing there. The second half of this podcast is sponsored by Mantasleep. Mantasleep have produced a range of sleep masks and accessories designed to help you get a great night's sleep. Some customers have referred to their sleep masks as bras for the eyes and they're super comfortable, have a 100% blackout for deeper sleep and are infinitely adjustable for personalized fit. They're soft, breathable, durable and they put zero pressure on the eyelids as well. I'm currently using a Manta Sleep Sleep Mask and I can say it's super comfortable and it really helps block out any of the excess light and you get a great night's sleep after wearing it. They have a slim range, a cool range, a warm range and also an aroma range as well. They also do a weighted mask and I can definitely say from my personal experience that they're very comfortable. Please visit mantasleep.com for more information and to order your mask. How Frey won Gerda, the giant maiden, and how he lost his magic sword. Frey, chief of the Vanir, longed to have a sight of his sister, who had been from Asgard for so long. You must know that this happened during the time when Freya was wandering through the world, seeking her husband, the lost Odor. Now there was in Asgard a place from which one could overlook the world and have a glimpse of all who wandered there. That place was Hildlothskarth. Odin's lofty watchtower. High up into the blue of the air that tower went. Frey came to it, and he knew that Odin Allfather was not upon the tower. Only the two wolves, Jerry and Freki, that crouched beside Odin's seat at the banquet were there and they stood in the way of Freya's entrance to the tower. But Frey spoke to Jerry and Freki in the language of the gods, and Odin's wolves had to let him pass. But as he went up the steps within the tower, Frey, chief of the Vanir, knew that he was doing a fateful thing. 
for none of the high gods, not even Thor, the defender of Asgard, nor Baldur, the best beloved of the gods, had ever climbed to the top of the tower and seated themselves upon the All-Father's seat. But if I could see my sister once, I shall be contented, said Freya to himself, and no harm shall come to me if I look out on the world. He came to the top of the tower. He seated himself on Odin's lofty seat. He looked out on the world. He saw Midgard, the world of men, with its houses and towns, its farms and people. Beyond Midgard he saw Jotunheim, the realm of the giants, terrible with its dark mountains and its masses of snow and ice. He saw Freya as she went upon her wanderings, and he marked that her face was turned towards Asgard, that her steps were leading toward the city of the gods. I have contented myself by looking from the tower, said Frey to himself, and no harm has come to me. But even as he spoke, his gaze was drawn to a dwelling that stood in the middle of the ice and snow of Jotunheim. Long he gazed upon that dwelling, without knowing why he looked that way. Then the door of the house was opened, and a giant maiden stood within the doorway. Frey gazed and gazed on her. So great was the beauty of her face, that it was like starlight in the dark land. She looked from the doorway of the house, then turned and went within, shutting the door. Frey sat on Odin's seat for long, then he went down the steps of the tower and passed by the two wolves, Jerry and Freki, that looked threatening upon him. He went through Asgard, but he found no one to please him in the city of the gods. That night did not come to him, for his thoughts were fixed upon the loveliness of the giant maid he had looked upon. And when morning came, he was filled with loneliness, because he thought himself so far from her. He went to the tower again, thinking to climb the tower and have sight of her once more. But the two wolves, Jerry and Fracky, bared their teeth at him, and soon would not let him pass. Although he spoke to them again, in the language of the gods. He went and spoke to wise Niald his father. She whom you have may seen my son, said Niald, is Gerda, the daughter of the giant Gaima. You must give over thinking of her. Your love for her will be an ill thing for you. Why should it be an ill thing for me? Frey asked. 
because you would have to give what which you prize most for the sake of coming to her. That which I prize most, said Frey, is my magic sword. You will have to give your magic sword, said his father, the wise Niord. I will give it, said Frey, loosening his magic sword from his belt. Bethink thee, my son, said Niord, if thou givest thy sword, what weapon wilt thou have in the day of Ragnarok, when the giants will make war upon the gods? Frey did not speak, but he thought the day of Ragnarok was far off. I cannot live without Gerda, he said, as he turned away. There was one in Asgard who was called Skinner. He was venturesome, being who never cared what he said or did. To no one else but Skinner could Frey bring himself to tell of the trouble that had fallen on him. The trouble that was punishment for his placing himself on the seat of the Old Father. Skinner laughed when he heard Frey's tale. Though a van in love with a maid of Juttenheim, this is fun indeed. Will you make a marriage of it? Would that I might even speak to her, or send a message of love to her, said Frey. But I may not leave my watch over the elves. And if I should take a message to Gerda, said Skinner the venturesome, what would my reward be? My boat, Skidbladnir, or my boar, Golden Bristle, said Frey. No, no, said Skinner, I want something to go by my side. I want something to use in my hand. Give me the magic sword you own. Frey thought upon what his father had said, that he would be left weaponless on the day of Ragnarok, when the giants would make war with the gods, and when Asgard would be endangered. He thought about this and drew back from Skinir, and for a while he remained in thought. And all the time, thick-set Skinir was laughing at him out of his wide mouth and his blue eyes. Then Frey said to himself, The day of Ragnarok is far off, and I cannot live without Gerda. He drew the magic sword from his belt, and he placed it in Skinner's hand. I give you my sword, Skinner, he said. Take my message to Gerda, Gaima's daughter, and show her this gold and these precious jewels, and say I love her, and that I claim her love. I shall bring the maid to you, said Skinner the venturesome. But how wilt thou get to Jotunheim, said Frey, suddenly remembering how dark the giant's land was, and how terrible were the approaches to it. Oh, with a good horse and a good sword one can get anywhere, said Skinner. My horse is a mighty horse, and you have given me your sword of magic. 
tomorrow I shall make the journey. Skinner rode across Bifrost the Rainbow Bridge, laughing out of his wide mouth and his blue eyes at Heimdall, the warder of the bridge to Asgard. His mighty horse trod the earth of Midgard and swam the river that divides Midgard, the world of men from Jotunheim, the realm of the giants. He rode on heedlessly and recklessly as he did all things. Then out of the iron forests came the monstrous wolves of Jotunheim to tear and devour him and his mighty horse. It was well for Skinner that he had in his belt Frey's magic sword. Its edge slew and its gleam frightened the monstrous beasts. On and on Skinner rode on his mighty horse. Then he came to a wall of fire. No other horse but his mighty horse could go through it. Skinner rode through the fire and he came to the dale in which was Gaima's dwelling. And now he was before the house that Frey had seen Gerda enter on the day when he had climbed the tower, Odin's watchtower. The mighty hounds that guarded Gaima's dwelling came and bayed around him, but the gleam of the magic sword kept them away. Skinner backed his horse to the door and made his horse's hooves strike against it. Gaima was in the feast hall drinking with his giant friends and he did not hear the baying of the hounds nor the clatter that Skinner made before the door. But Gerda sat spinning with her maidens in the hall. Who comes to Gaima's door? She said. A warrior upon a mighty horse, said one of the maidens. Even though he may be an enemy and one who slew my brother, yet shall we open the door to him and give him a cup of Gaima's mead, said Gerda. One of the maidens opened the door and Skinner entered Gaima's dwelling. He knew Gerda amongst her maidens. He went to her and showed her the rich gold and the precious jewels that he had brought from Frey. These are for you, fairest Gerda, he said if you will give your love to Frey, the chief of the Vanir. Show your gold and jewels to other maidens, said Gerda. Gold and jewels will never bring me to give my love. Then Skinner, the venturesome, the heedless of his words, drew the magic sword from his belt and held it above her. Give your love to Frey, who has given me this sword, he said, or meet your death by the edge of it. Gerda, Gaima's daughter, only laughed at the reckless Skinner. Make the daughters of men fearful by the sharpness of Frey's sword, she said, but do not try to frighten a giant's daughter with it. Then Skinner, the reckless, the heedless of his words, made the magic sword flash before her eyes, while he cried out in a terrible voice, saying a spell over her. Gerda, I will curse thee, 
yes with this magic, blade I shall touch thee, such is its power, that like a thistle withered twill leave thee, like a thistle the wind strips from the roof. Hearing these terrible words and strange hissings of the magic sword, Gerda threw herself on the ground, crying out for pity. But Skinner stood above her, and the magic sword flashed and hissed over her. Skinner sang, More ugly I leave thee than maid ever was. Thou wilt be mocked at by men and by giants. A dwarf only will wed thee now on this instant. With this blade I shall touch thee and leave thee bespelled. She lifted herself on her knees and cried out to Skinner to spare her from the spell of the magic sword. Only if thou wilt give thy love to Frey, said Skinner. I will give my love to him, said Gerda. Now put up my magic sword and drink a cup of mead and depart from Gaima's dwelling. I will not drink a cup of your mead, nor shall I depart from Gaima's dwelling, until you yourself say that you will meet and speak with Frey. I will meet and speak with him, said Gerda. When will you meet and speak with him, said Skinner? In the wood of the Barry, nine nights from this, let him come and meet me there. Then Skinner put up his magic sword and drank a cup of mead that Gerda gave him. He rode from Gaima's house laughing aloud at having won Gerda for Frey, so making the magic sword his own forever. Skinner the venturesome, the heedless of his words, riding across Bifrost on his mighty horse, found Frey standing waiting for him besides Heimdall, the warder of the bridge to Asgard. What news dost thou bring me? cried Frey. Speak, Skinner, before thou dost dismount from thine horse. In nine nights from this, Thou must meet Gerda in Barry Wood, said Skinner. He looked at him laughing out of his wide mouth and his blue eyes. But Frey turned away, saying to himself, Long as one day, long, long too, can I live through nine long days. Long indeed were these days for Frey. But the ninth day came, and in the evening Frey went to Barry Wood, and there he met Gerda the giant maid. She was as fair as when he had seen her before the door of Gaima's house, and when she saw Frey so tall and noble-looking, the giant's daughter was glad that Skinner the Venturesome had made her promise to come to Barry Wood. They gave each other rings of gold. It was settled that the giant maid should come as a bride to Asgard. Gerda came, but another giant maid came also. This is how that came to be. 
all the dwellers in Asgard were standing before the great gate, waiting to welcome the bride of Frey. There appeared a giant maid who was not Gerda, all in armour was she. I am Skadi, she said, the daughter of Thayassi. My father met his death at the hands of the dwellers in Asgard. I claim a recompense. What recompense would you have, maiden? said Odin, smiling to see a giant maid standing so boldly in Asgard. A husband from amongst you, even as Gerda, and I myself must be let choose him. All laughed aloud at the words of Skadi. Then said Odin laughing, We will let you choose a husband from amongst us, but you must choose him by his feet. I will choose him whatever way you will, said Skadi, fixing her eyes on Baldur, the most beautiful of all the dwellers in Asgard. They put a bandage around her eyes, and the Azir and the Vanir seat in a half circle around her. She went by, she stooped over each, and laid hands upon their feet. At last she came to one whose feet were so finely formed that she felt sure it was Baldur. She stood up and said, this is the one that Skiddy chooses for her husband. And the Azir and the Vanir laughed more and more. They took the bandage off her eyes, and she saw not Baldur the Beautiful, but Niord the father of Frey. But as Skadir looked more and more on Niord, she became more and more contented with her choice, for Niord was strong and he was noble looking. These two, Niord and Skadi, went first to live in Niord's palace by the sea, but the coming of the sea mew would waken Skadi too early in the morning, as she drew her husband to the mountain top where she was more at home. She would not live long away from the sound of the sea. Back and forward between the mountain and the sea, Skadi and Niord went, but Gerda stayed in Asgard with Frey. Her husband and the Azir and the Vanir came to love greatly Gerda, the giant maid.